have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victim. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Thank you so much, friends, for tuning in to Infertility and Me Podcast. It's your host, Monique. Welcome if this is your first time. And welcome back, friends, if you are a regular listener to the podcast. Appreciate you guys so much for being here with me today and with the guests, showing your support and love by listening, sharing podcast episodes, and just being the badasses that you are. And I appreciate you guys so much. And I love you guys for supporting the podcast and supporting me and just being just being here with me. And so today's episode is a triggering episode because it is dealing with stillbirth and because it is infant and pregnancy loss awareness month being October I wanted to bring you guys another bonus episode for those of you who have experienced stillbirth and or loss whether it's through miscarriage or the loss of multiple multiple cycles and in babies and I know that many of you have suffered some type of loss along your journey And so I wanted to bring you an inspirational story from a young woman and her fiance who recently lost their baby at seven months gestation in May of 2020. And so it is very fresh, very new for them. And I just want you guys to know that don't beat yourself up. Your body did not fail you and that you will be able to carry life again. And so again, this is a triggering episode. And so if you have to pass on this episode, I completely understand. And that is your right to do so. We'll be back in just a moment with Brittany and her fiance. Thank you, friends. Thank you guys. Thank you, friends, so, so much for being on the Infertility in Me podcast. Like I said in the introduction, this is a triggering episode. So if you have recently experienced loss, stillbirth of any kind, Um, I do encourage you to skip this episode and come back when you can. And if you think you can muster through it, then we're here for you. And thank you, Brittany. And thank you, Quest, for coming on to the podcast and just being just being a voice. Of course, of course, anytime. And so I want to go to your last month of pregnancy, Brittany, because you had you had your stillbirth uh, pregnancy. Um, Your baby was born stillborn at seven months gestation, were you? Yeah. Paint me a picture of that last month of pregnancy. What were you doing? Were you nesting? Were you preparing to take uh, pregnancy shoots, quests? Were you like going through things emotionally, trying to prepare yourself to be a father? Walk me through what that time was like that last 30 days that you were pregnant. You can go first. Okay. Uh, the last 30 days was, we were so prepared for Sage. So we had set up her crib we had her stroller we set up her stroller we had put everything out in place for our baby so we were like really 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 preparing for her um because of COVID we were home so we was just home every day making sure that that's all we could do was just be home making sure we wasn't out and being places Mm because when I was pregnant I was so scared of COVID I didn't even want to go outside but the last month was yeah we was definitely preparing for definitely had so many thoughts running through my mind I was actually thinking like last week when I made it to 30 weeks I was so excited to make it to 30 weeks because I just had some sort of like I don't know I just wanted to meet her soon I don't know it was just like it was getting closer but I felt like it was still like a long time until I met her mm-hmm. so I don't know I was definitely prepared to meet her <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And Quest, how, how were you preparing yourself mentally and were those things that you had, like this vision of how you were, um, how you wanted to be in the, in the birthing room and all those things like that? To be 100% honest, I was like very, I, if I could use a word, I would say immature because at first, like, I was like, oh, I do not want to see a baby coming out of nowhere. Like, I didn't think I was going <laughs> to be able to handle it. So, you know, when I, when that time was coming, I was just like, ah, I might have to be in the other room. But, you know, as it got closer and closer to uh, the 30-week mark, I I guess, you know, once we got there, like fast forward, once we got there, I guess I was mentally prepared. So whatever I was doing within those 30 days worked because when the moment came, you know, I was there to be, you know, the daddy that... I always dreamed of being and just uh I guess I would just say I uh hmm that's a great question I guess I would just say um I was just being piggybacking off of what my fiance said you know we just got her clothes built the crib you know just had everything set up so by the time delivery time came she had a home you know what I'm saying it wasn't like we would have had to like get everything once she got here like we were kind of like ahead of the game like we had everything pretty much laid out for her so when she was born she was gonna have everything diapers uh uh crib we got we got toys you know we got pretty much everything a baby needed we also spent our last 30 days reading to sage that's something that her books finally came in so we Mm -hmm. made sure we read to her so she we also made sure we listened to like ABCs and like different learning things just because mm-hmm. we knew like at that time she was beginning to hear us right. and we spent a lot of time talking to her I miss those <laughs> and like putting on educational music videos in the morning that she really loves so I also spent that time um looking up birthing positions like mm-hmm. I was like obsessed with okay, did I want to do I want to have a water birth or do mm-hmm. I want to have a hospital birth and I had my mind all set up I just knew I was having a water birth. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was also learning about the difference between contractions, the bro contractions and the Braxton Hicks contractions. So I was just kind of like, just kind of using that time to learn more about labor because it was coming. So I was like, I was taking notes. So I was like, it's coming. Let me. And I'm really glad I did because it had been like the next month. And I was like, wow, if I waited mm-hmm. one more month. Like, I wouldn't have none of this information. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, the last couple of She days. also made me watch the videos. She was yeah. like, I had to learn. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to know everything. I had to. I didn't have a choice. So. Yeah. It was just us at the time. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I love that you guys were being proactive about learning the the things that you may not have been taught in school or if you ever went mm-hmm. to junior college or university at some point, I feel like they don't go in depth enough unless you're studying that particular field. You know, sometimes they just brush over it. And so that's, that's amazing. I'm And that's good to hear because a lot of young people just, or younger people than me don't, they don't really think about those things, you know? And so that's, that's amazing that you guys, it sounds like you guys are really in tune really um on one accord with one another spiritually and, and mentally and and emotionally so that's 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 amazing and the day comes of your stillbirth and so walk me through that entire day what was going on that day the day it was april okay so the night it was april 31st was it 30 days in april 31 so april 30th yeah, yeah. yeah. that night i didn't sleep like the whole night like i was just up 
And on the 30th, we actually made, um, I mean, on May 1st, we actually made 30 weeks. Exactly. Okay. So I just cannot sleep. I don't know. I was just up on my phone, just trying to get in a comfortable position because the last couple of months I was like, I cannot get comfortable with sleeping. Mm-hmm. So I ended up just staying up all night, just on my phone, just researching baby stuff and X, Y, and Z. Um, and it wasn't until about six o'clock in the morning. Well, before all of that, I was just waking up periodically, like just throwing up because I had a lot of acid. So I just could not sleep at night. I was just throwing up. And then about around six, I was trying to go to sleep around 6 a.m. And I couldn't because I had felt this really, really hard kick. Like it was a really, really, really hard kick. And then after that, my stomach just got like super hard and really, really tight. So I'm so confused. I'm like, what's going on? So I tried to take a shower because I realized it was some sort of contraction. I thought it was just Brexit Hicks contractions at first. And then I realized this contraction is not ending. It's only getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Mind you, Monique, I tried looking on what to expect. I tried going to certain moms, asking them, hey, have you ever experienced contractions at 30 weeks? And they're like, yeah, I have. And the doctor just, you know, they're going to just send you home and give you something X, Y, Z. So to be completely honest, I called my doctor and she did tell me to go to our nearest ER. But I was thinking like with COVID, I was like, I don't really want to go. And then they just send me back home. I'm going to be wasting my time. And now I'm going to have sage in this around Corona. And I was just really hesitant. And that's exactly. And it's also why I didn't wake Elijah up. He was asleep the whole time because I just felt like it wasn't, I, I didn't think it would be that, I guess is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until about 10, 10 a.m. in the morning mm-hmm. where I had to wake Quest up. I was like, babe, fill my stomach. Like, that was the first thing I said. I was mm-hmm. like, babe, fill my stomach. It's rock hard. Like, mm-hmm. it was painful, Monique. Like, I couldn't even, t- it was painful. Like, it was rock hard, and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't lie down. At this point, I could barely even walk. So, and then randomly, I haven't ate anything all night. Randomly, I just went running into the bathroom to throw up again. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really bad. Like, that was one of the worst. Like, I've thrown up my pregnancy, but this was different. It was yeah. different. I was like, I was dying. Like, it literally felt like I was dying. Like, I couldn't, I'm not even over exaggerating. So, yeah, yeah, and he heard it. So we immediately, our ho- the hospital is about like two minutes away. We immediately <laughs> to the hospital and in the car, it just got more intensified. And I was like screaming like these. All I could think, Monique, was in a positive way was that we were about to meet our baby girl mm-hmm. in a positive way. I was like, OK, this this She's is a early. Yeah, they, she, she wants to come early, but that's OK, because babies come early. Like, I just felt like she was just ready to come. I didn't even process that I didn't feel her kick in a while. I that had, I never thought about that. Like, I never processed, like, until I got to the hospital and they say, hey, when was the last time you saw her kick? And I'm like, mm. great question. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we rushed into the hospital and immediately got sent up to labor and delivery. And they asked me to change out of my clothes into a gown. And while I was in the bathroom, 
Well, before we got there, some lady, she gave us like a lot of hope. This lady in that front desk, she was telling us that babies were just being born early. She was like, mm-hmm. this one lady had her baby in like 25 weeks and he's doing well and he's so strong. So this gave me, I'm sorry, Monique. No, take your time. Take your time. I'm, I'm about so to cry too. Like, take your time. Take your time. Yeah. I had my son early, so I empathize with your situation in that way. So yeah, for sure. Take your time. Take your time. So I thought that was my confirmation. I thought that was my sign. I was like, yeah, I was right. Like, she's just coming early. Mm-hmm. And I'm, we're going to meet her soon. Like, I was just trying to stay on this positive, positive, positive phase because I didn't want my thoughts to manifest. Exactly. Yeah. So when I heard that, I just got immediately excited again. Like, my, my emotions was a roller coaster that day. It wasn't stable at all. Like, in the back of my mind, I was scared. I was worried. But in the front, I was trying to be strong and positive but yeah so once I heard that I was really like okay everything's gonna be okay she just want to come early you know mm-hmm. she just want to come early everything's fine like she's definitely coming today and I was like we're definitely gonna meet our angel today and I was really 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 excited about that although I knew she would be early I was like I don't care we have to be you know we have to support her in the NICU I'll be there, I'll, sit, I'll pray over her, I'll do whatever I can, but she's she's coming today. That's the only thought I could think was that she was coming today. When we got out, when I got out the bathroom, when I was in the bathroom, they asked me to pee in a cup. Okay. And I had like no urine. Right, you hadn't been About, eating and stuff and all the vomiting, yeah. yeah. It had no urine. It, I literally had like one little drop. I was like, I don't have enough, but um, this is all I have. And so that's, they took that and everything. So she asked, the nurse came out and asked me to lay on on the bed. And she decided, she started to try to listen to Sage's heart. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't hear anything. And this was so, at this moment, I knew something was wrong because Sage's heart was so strong. Mm -hmm. It was so loud. It was so vibrant that like every time a doctor at my appointment, at my previous appointments were, you know, try to listen, they will be like, oh, wow, this is so loud. Like, oh, let me turn it down and next time Z and this baby is so active and this baby is, it was nothing but like, that's the only thing I ever heard. I never saw a doctor with like a worried face or anything when it came to her heart. So I was staring directly at the doctor because it was just like that moment of truth. And I'm like, what? Why? Like, what? Like, She's not saying Sage Heart is loud. She's not saying, oh, this baby is active. She's not saying any of those things. And that silence, like, oh my goodness, that silence, Monique, was pretty. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, it was like, I still wasn't expecting that, though. Although we couldn't hear her heart in the beginning, I still wasn't expecting them to tell me that her heart had stopped. Mm-hmm. In some way, shape, or form, I still was just looking for like a positive way out or something pod something I don't know something maybe something was wrong with their um I like maybe it's something wrong with your doctor can you ask someone else can you call an extra anyone else that can try and about 10 people tried and yeah they all confirmed that there's no heartbeat mm. and they also let me know that my blood pressure was really 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 high and that my urine 
was brown and that it was light and I was losing what was the term they they said I was so long story short her body was trying to shut down on yeah. her like mm. it wasn't functioning the way it was supposed to be functioning so she had to go into labor right then and there wow so did they induce you yep so they induced me they realized that my placenta detached also okay so immediately they was like he has to give birth in this moment everything's going so quick I'm not even realizing that I still have to give birth I'm like okay I never dealt this is our first child this was our first child so I and I didn't know a lot about stillbirth or stillborn I had no information about it I was under the impression that once I made it past 13 weeks that I was good Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, we in the safe zone. We're good. So at that at that time when they were like, there's no heartbeat, I'm just thinking I just get sent back home and the baby dissolves. Or I don't know. I didn't think I would still have to deliver my baby and her heart isn't beating. And I just, I, I cannot process it. So when they said all that, everything was going so quickly. I was just like, today? <laughs> like today, today. I haven't slept all day, like all day. How am I gonna how am I gonna be up for this? I'm not ready. I didn't feel like I was ready. And because of COVID, we couldn't have any support. It was just me and Quest. And it was scary. The hospital that we was at also was a hospital that I wasn't too fond of because of different trauma stories in my family. So it was I didn't feel like my life was trusted in their hands. Like I was just not I wasn't yeah even then I still wasn't too fond of uh yeah. that hospital because of the way they handled the procedure like they don't understand they I don't think they understood the severity of what was going on with Brittany mm. and the severity of what was going on with her was that she was literally like we could have lost two people that day right. you know what right. I'm saying and they waited 12 hours to transfer her to a to the proper hospital to help her get the right care she needed and they just dragged their feet. And I, I became very furious because I'm like, like you can't, when it comes to women and birth, that's not something that should be treated like a cold. You know what I'm saying? Especially when somebody has to deliver, like whatever you have to do needs to be done ASAP. If you don't, if you know you don't have the resources you need, you need to get in contact with somebody that does ASAP because these are lives. And I feel like they didn't really like they 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 treated her like she was another patient, you know, like she didn't just lose a child and she was fighting for her life at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I believe there's been America. a lot of that. There's been a lot of that in the history. American of issue. Yeah. With with brown women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I, I get it. I get it. I definitely get it. I um, but I'm glad that you were there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To help I, advocate for her. You know what I mean? Because had she have gone by herself. And I believe that Brittany was just in this state of shock. And so, like she said, she just wasn't processing the information the way that she normally would have been had the situation not been that severe. And so that was, that's incredible that you were there. Like, uh, yeah. I wasn't playing no games with no, with those doctors at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, absolutely. 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 All the stuff they wanted to put her on. I was like, mm-hmm. no, when I, when I knew she didn't need something anymore, I was like, she doesn't need that anymore. Like, yeah. When, when she was ready to get out the hospital, I, I made it clear, like, 
to the doctors. She does it. If she feels fine, y'all need to let her go. Y'all don't need to put her on no magnesium, yeah. none of that crazy stuff that makes you a vegetable, none of that. So I definitely made sure, um, you know, she had whatever she needed when she needed it and didn't have what she didn't need when she didn't need it. Yeah. yeah. How did you keep your, um, how did you keep your analytical side at the forefront and also okay. dealing with the fact that you guys were losing your baby? God. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm not that strong. Like I don't, that strength just, it came when I needed it yeah. because in that moment I was completely weak. I was crying. I was, I couldn't stop crying, mm-hmm. but every, every time they needed me, I was just present and I was helping the doctors with whatever they needed help with and whatever they weren't doing correctly or whenever they were losing patience with Brittany, I made sure they came correct, treated her with respect, that rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> just, um, you know, making sure that she got the care she needed. So uh, I would just give it to God, all to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where that strength came from. Literally. I, I, like I said, remember what I said when we first started? Like mm-hmm. I couldn't even see myself seeing a baby come out fast forward and I'm like kind of in a way leading mm-hmm. everything that's going on. This hero, yeah, in the midst mm-hmm. of you guys' journey, yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. Brittany, so when it got to the point when they transferred you to the correct hospital with the right level of care, and so when you finally got transferred to the other hospital, what did you see a difference in the care and the level of concern that they had for, for your situation? Oh, yes. You know, if they were moving fast, if they, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Let me kind of give you a backstory on that so you understand. So I was there for a whole day. Mm-hmm. They were under the impression, I was under the impression that I got induced, I was going to have the baby that same day. Mm-hmm. But it's like as soon as I got the epidural mm-hmm. and I was basically a whole vegetable mm-hmm. after being on magnesium for hours and IV fluids and getting my blood drawn, it's like the, they slowed down. Mm. everything slowed down and they would like not come in they would like come in every five hours or something and do a check and then leave out and just be gone and the whole night we just didn't see them and I was we were under the impression that for one they were they were very specific like oh you cannot have this baby in you it is not safe to keep a baby in you we have to get that baby out you soon x y and z but then they would like leave for hours Mm. so with no information like is this serious or is this not serious? This was our question. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I know it was. They were not treating it seriously it at all. So the next morning at like six in the morning, seven in the morning, they wake us up like, oh, we don't have enough platelets here. Um, if something happens during your labor, if you bleed out, we don't have plate- your platelets. If, if they just kept saying if, they was like, if something happens, Basically, what we heard was that they just didn't want it on their hands anymore. Like, whatever was going to happen, they had a lot of fear around it. And they just felt like, I'm just going to get this. Like, you can tell they were like, look, we ain't, we ain't dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And why Quest was upset and why we were upset was because we felt like y'all could have been said that. Mm-hmm. I could have been. Well, you could have been at, you been at the, the city hospital hours ago. Out. Hello? You guys know I'm- my baby's heartbeat stopped. I don't, you know. You got ultrasounds. We were there for 12 hours for them to come that back and say, We don't have the people. Oh, we don't that's have what they, the, they said, We don't have the people and we don't have the resources to help you deliver. And I'm like, Y'all knew this. 
the the minute we showed up that's the thing like y'all knew you weren't going to deliver our baby the minute we showed up there's no way it's it, what what day was it it was like a, a friday or something and, and and you're telling me a hospital doesn't have what a hospital is supposed to have people and i know i applied so i'm like i don't know how y'all don't have people and y'all are denying applications it doesn't make any sense right. so mm -hmm. that i was very frustrated about that because it, it should never take someone especially wow. someone that has a baby in their stomach with no heartbeat 12 hours way. i'm like even if i'm not i'm glad they didn't do a c-section i am right but right. what if she needed that that's the part that's the part that's important what if it would have took a c-section they would have took 12 hours to do a c-section she would have she wouldn't be here you know what i'm saying so i'm like they got to move with that level of persistence because some situations do require that you know yeah i definitely get it because when i when i went into premature labor with my son I had to be transferred to DC to Washington Hospital Center. They could, they had the resources, the 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 doctors, the nurses, they had everything that you would need in a severe situation like yours and mine. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, I wasn't there two hours to get transported to DC. We're talking about a 35-minute ride through DC. Of course, it's the middle of the night, but still, you know what I mean? I'm going into the city, coming from the suburbs, going into the city, and they were trying to airlift me. So I don't understand why you weren't trying to, they weren't trying to airlift you or at least get you um, an emergency paramedic system that could get you to the city that's going to take 45 minutes, maybe, you know. And they have that. They have that. They have that's, the helicopter. That doesn't make so. any sense. This, yeah, this is, this is why it's so important because um, this is why Black women and Brown women are dying at a very alarming, alarming rate for childbirth. This is, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. Wow. And I'm sorry, y'all have to go through that. I'm sorry. But you know, that's, there's nothing that, that, that it's nobody's fault in the sense of the, us being the victims. You know what I mean? Yeah. All we can do is continue to what we're doing right now. And that's talking mm -hmm. and being voices mm -hmm. and being voices. And you have, you guys have those platforms already. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you just coming onto a platform that I have and we're just collaborating on that thing, mm -hmm. you know, but that's, that's unfortunate. And that is, um, I just, wow. Wow, it's really hard for you guys. Anybody who doesn't know doesn't doesn't know anyone. You just you just met someone. <laughs> this is yeah. This is the reality of it. Uh, seriously and with urgency. With urgency. Mm -hmm. With urgency. Mm -hmm. You know my baby's heart stopped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And her being in me during this time could also kill me. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. So they woke us up that morning and it was like we're transferring you. Quest has to get a ride. He couldn't even come with me because of Corona. He couldn't even sit, be in the ambulance with me. So I had to take a 45 drive and that ride was the longest ride. Yeah. I was not on Epidore anymore. So my contraction started to increase. And I, I felt like I was dying without Quest. Like I'm literally serious. Like when he wasn't in my presence, I just was it's this trauma that I guess that us black women have. I hear so many stories. I'm like, I don't trust any of y'all. Like, I don't trust yeah. any of y'all doctors. Like, get on my face. Where's my man? Like, what's going on? Yeah. So we finally, I finally got there, and Quest came like about thirty minutes after, and they were much better. Like, they were more. Their mindset was different. Like, the doctors here were like. We're gonna do whatever it takes. You're not gonna have a C-section. Let's push. Let's 
let's try this, let's try that. And if this doesn't work, we're going to try this. If this doesn't work, we're going to try that. It was more of my speed. I'm like, okay. They already had my epidural. They was they had that coming. They already had they already knew I was coming. Mm -hmm. So I felt like they would like they were much more prepared and they really just showed more urgency. And it was also a doctor there that also experienced a stillbirth. Mm -hmm. So she was like my main doctor. So she really, really understood it all. And I'm like, when Quest wasn't there, I was so grateful for her because it's like now I can breathe. We mm-hmm. us like our community, like we can kind of recognize each other and be there for each other. So just because she went through it, I felt like I can get through it. I'm like, okay, she was here before. So I just got to get through this and I'll be, you know what I'm saying? Uh, doing, uh, over time, I'll get better. Like, I think we got there like around 11. Um, I know I gave birth at 1.30. So okay. we, I gave, as soon as I got there, it was about 40, maybe an hour after. So we probably got there at 12. Yeah. And around 1.30, as soon as I got there, I was dilated six centimeters. And then randomly, I just dilated all the way up to 10. When I got there. When Quest got there. Oh. <laughs> it was the craziest thing ever. And I was so scared. I didn't want her to check again because it, it was so uncomfortable with her checking. I'm like, just isn't, I didn't dilate anymore. Like, it was like two seconds after she checked me. And I was like, no, I'm good. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed. And ironically, she did. Thankfully, she did check because I actually did dilate. Cena's Quest walked in and we were ready to, to get into labor. It was like that quick. Wow. That quick. I didn't know a labor could be that fast. I thought it was right. like she, she delivered in 20 minutes. Wow. Yes. And I was screaming, like it was, I was in so much pain before Quest came. Like I was screaming. Like soon as he entered those doors, I was like, I don't know. It's like the energy. Like I felt like God was there. I felt like Sage's energy was there. Quest's energy. I felt like you know I just had it's complete. Yeah, yeah. Like it's complete. Like I had to do it. I'm dilated. I was just waiting to dilate. I had to do it. I had to shut off these thoughts. I had to stop crying. I had to stop. I had to do this. Like my life depends on it. And I just and I think I pushed about probably about five times and she was out. And that was like the less, the least pain I have ever felt pushing her out, Monique. Like it was beautiful, actually. Like the doctors in Quest was like, "You're doing so well." Like got so calm knowing that Sage was about to come out. Like I just felt her energy and I felt her spirit all around me. And I'm like, I just started to get happy. I told you my emotions was everywhere. I started to get happy knowing that I'll be holding her, although I knew. She would come out still. I just was happy, like it's over. Mm-hmm. Not over, but it's close. It's one one chapter down. Mm-hmm. Once I get her out, now I gotta grieve. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just steps that I had to get through. And I just kind of had that mindset of like, okay, once I then we can work on a funeral. In the beginning, when we first got there, it was very hard for us. We was like, nah, we not, we don't want that. And they were like, you might change your mind and X, Y, and Z. And again, like Quest was saying, like he he was he was thinking he wouldn't even be there to witness it. Mm-hmm. But he actually like held my hand and he saw Sage come out. He saw the whole, he saw everything. Everything. I can't unsee it. <laughs> <laughs> he saw everything. So so the worst part I would say with my birthing birthing experience was at the end. So when she got when she came out, 
because my placenta detached, I had a lot of blood clots that was still left over and the doctor had to literally dig in and pull the blood from my uterus. OMG. I'll, I'll take this pain. Like I took a lot of pain today and yesterday. So I guess I just got to do it. I was not trying to get put to sleep. That was like my biggest fear, I guess, getting put to sleep and not being with class. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to leave a room to leave him. And mm-hmm. no, I just want to stay in his presence. And I wanted to see him like he was my safe haven. Really? Yeah, like, for sure. For sure. Like really. But when she came out, I saw her hair. Mm-hmm. That's all I could see was her hair. And it was like, babe, mm-hmm. is she here? Like it was like, although like she was still born, I was so excited. Like that happiness just came. Like it would have mm-hmm. been there if she was alive. Like yeah. it still was the fact that, you know, like the baby that was in our stomach that was kicking and mm-hmm. you know tickling, tickling us making yeah. us up like she's out now and we get to witness what she would have been like uh-huh. and to see her and she was so beautiful she's <laughs> what so did you think she's so beautiful when she came out I was like I'm glad I'm looking <laughs> yes definitely just glad I would have had so many regrets I didn't regret it at all I'm glad we got photos with her I'm glad we just got to see her because it was it was, I'm not saying what you like. In the end, like, I was just glad that I got to see a visual representation of our little baby that was tickling me yeah. every morning. I was going to ask if you had gotten the chance to feel the kicks while she was still in utero. Class, yeah. yeah. Um, whenever Brittany was <laughs> leaning on me, laying on me, or yeah. near me, she would just go crazy. Like, I would, like, <laughs> poke her stomach once she would poke back like twice or three times to let me know she's there or (laughs) like sometimes she would like be looking for me on one side and I would like go to the other side just to see if she would follow me and she would Mm. it was the it was the weirdest thing ever I'm like how could a newborn be so sophisticated you know like you'll you'll poke a spot and they just go to that spot I've never Mm -hmm. I don't know I've never seen it yeah you know what I'm saying about the night in the hospital what? When y'all slept together? Oh, how I, how, I, how we slept together? And, and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, at, unfortunately, at Johns Hopkins, they didn't clean her okay. at all. So, I took it upon myself to clean her, and I just slept with her because I was like, if this is the only night I'll be able to hold her, then this is just going to be that night. So, we slept together, and when I woke up, it looked like she was smiling. Like, she... The thing was, she was stillborn, but she looked like she had so much life. Like it was like so much. Life. Yeah. It was like she she looked like she. You know how when somebody passes, they don't look like they're there anymore. Yeah. She looked like she was still there. So it was like mm-hmm. mind-boggling. That's the clean word I'll use. It was mind-boggling because it's like you're right here. You know what I'm saying? Like just just all you gotta do is blink once. You know what I'm saying? If I would have seen that, I would have been content. But it's okay. not one scar, not one scratch. She was so beautiful. Nothing. And I'm I started to think like when she came out and I saw her, I'm like, wow. So that last kick was the last kick. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't gone for that long. She was like she was only gone for a couple of hours. Yeah, a couple of hours. She wasn't gone for you know. Some people say you know they they didn't feel a kick in weeks. She was yeah. just happened because. She looked so um, like polished, like mm-hmm. she's just so mm-hmm. she was glowing, and like Quest said, she was definitely smiling. She had this little smirk mm-hmm. that oh my god, I can't explain. She was just so 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 cute. 
Pat Fingerways, had had no. sideburns, yes. curls. Yeah, both of y'all got hair for days, so I know she had hair. <laughs> yes, we weren't like we're not lacking in that department. No, <laughs> she was only seven months gestation, and she yeah. had like a full head of hair. I'm She's like, girl, you haven't even done that. You haven't done that. That's where all that acid reflux was coming from. You had all that acid reflux. That's where it's coming from. Yeah. yeah. I had the same thing with my son. He was born with a full head of hair at six months. So, mm. yeah. In six yeah. months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that, uh, wow. How, I just how was that? He was born 24 weeks, four, four days. I was in the hospital a week before I gave birth. Um, and he hadn't shed hair like Sage had. So he hadn't got to that point in his gest- uh, gestation where he had shed all his body hair. So he still had, his whole body was covered in hair. Mm-hmm. Hair on his head. He never lost the hair on his head. Once the arms started shedding hair and the chest and started, and his face started shedding the hair mm-hmm. um, that protects them and keeps them warm in the utero. Mm-hmm. He never lost the hair on his head. He always had a bunch of hair. Mm-hmm. Got a bunch of hair now, you know. So <laughs> you guys' journey is like um, none that I've ever heard of with stillbirth. Well, you, I can tell you guys are spiritual people. And so I think a lot of that has to do with your experience after giving birth being being so healing and you being able to nurture her dad and wash her clean and you know and just have that oh I'm about to cry and just had that time with okay. her that it's, is so beautiful that's so yeah. beautiful yeah and so, I was asleep <laughs> wow right right and so you he had that time alone he had that time and I I thought like I had that time when I was pregnant carrying right. her and that was their time so I was so happy that they had that time I was like and I didn't realize this until a couple of days ago. I was looking at her on her pictures when she first, first came out and her pictures like the day after. And I was like, babe, you really did a good job of cleaning her up. Like they did not clean her up like I had. And I was still on medication. So I like crashed. But I'm like, wow, you really took the time to clean her so well. Like I know she really, really was enjoying that. Like it was just y'all. I'm so happy. Like y'all had that moment. I really was so happy. But not only that, let, let me tell you, let me give you a little rundown with after the birth. Yeah, like, wow. yeah, tell me about it's it. not done yet, Monique. Oh, oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. So after the birth. I told you the nurse had experienced a stillbirth also. So I was like so confused on what to do as far as funerals, as far as cremation. I'm so lost at this moment. I never, we never had to plan a funeral. Yeah. Ever. I never had to plan a funeral. Quest has never had to plan a funeral. So I asked her, I said, what, what should we do? And she said, what she did was just allow the hospital to cremate her and get her remains because at the time I couldn't bear seeing her in the casket. At that time, also with Corona, we couldn't have a funeral because not too many people can be in a space. I also, we weren't ready to, we didn't want, I don't know, we just couldn't come and cremate her ourselves. Like, well, my reason for not wanting the funeral, only because when we did have Sage, like from the start of the pregnancy up until the end, Mm -hmm. we had no support. None. None. So I was thinking like a funeral, I'm going to just say it the way I feel it, would have been fake. You know, like it would have just been like everyone would have showed up, mm-hmm. would have said their condolences, we would have went our separate ways, and they would still be the same people. You know, mm-hmm. so I was like, if anybody was going to be around my daughter, it was going to be the people who genuinely loved and, 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 were, and were present. 
we're present in her life and we're proactive in her life. So that was my main reason for not wanting one, just because it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have made, it wouldn't have made anything about the situation any better. You know, wow. like we were already grieving. We were already going through a lot. The last thing I want to think about is the bad memories I have of all these people that also didn't support our pregnancy, you know? That's valid. We didn't want, yeah, like valid. we didn't want anyone to see her like that. Like we want, we wanted people to see her, that's see her two. in her highest moment. With life. And although she was so beautiful, I'm, I'm starting to think maybe that moment was just for us. Yeah. Experience. Like we're the only people that saw her we're the only people, like when I was pregnant, like, like Quest said, like, it was like we were in an isolation period. Mm. And a lot of people didn't support our pregnancy because at the time when we first, first got pregnant, we weren't, we didn't have our own place. Okay. So our families look at that as you're not ready. Yeah. yeah. You don't have a place. You don't even have this. You don't have that. So why are y'all having a baby? It was mm. like a lot of people were saying get an abortion without saying get an abortion. They were like, mm-hmm. are y'all really ready? Mm-hmm. This is what you need to be ready to have a parent. This is it was no support there, and so when we was pregnant, like a lot of no one, we was just, especially with Corona too, because it was that stay at home order. Yeah. It just was home. Like we had an at home gender reveal. We had everything mm-hmm. at home. It was just shared between me and Quest. Whatever mm-hmm. had to do with Sage, only me and him got to experience it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because of that, like so many people have so much guilt. Guilt can come from that because when she passed our family, like they really, they they were sad. Like they were hurt. They were sad that they weren't involved. They weren't, they, don't, they didn't even know Sage. They didn't know who she was, mm-hmm. her energy. And, you know, so it felt like it, it, it just was only us. Like, I can't say that they're not grieving, but I feel like only me and Quest knew who Sage was. And that's why I feel like I'm so passionate about telling the whole world about who she was because she was so amazing. Like she was this amazing little baby like that would put a smile on your face like just by touching my belly. Like she would Mm -hmm. kick you and everyone, like any stranger would smile. Mm -hmm. After that, Bex, I'm sorry I'm everywhere. This is how I do. But the nurse, she didn't inform me that the hospital don't cremate the babies that exact in that exact time frame. Mm. I didn't find that out until about two months later. I was calling because they didn't never call me. I'm just like, okay, did they do it? Did they cremate her yet? Like they said they would call me when they did it and we didn't get any phone call or nothing. I called and they were like, yeah, so I don't know if the doctor didn't inform you, but we don't do, we, we wait until it's more babies to cremate and that might be done once or twice a year Mm. right two months later two months later i'm like that is super weird "Uh huh and we were trying to get her out and we was trying to just have a funeral but they also was trying to say that we had to pay now because she was the state Mm -hmm. yeah because she was already at the state so i'm like so once we gave our daughter up to the hospital, she belonged to the state. And two months after, she didn't get a phone call until two months after we left the hospital saying they still had our baby. Isn't that like freaky? Like that's like yeah. crazy. That don't even sound real. Wow. Wow. So wow. I'm under the impression that she was already cremated. So I'm like, now we got to go backwards. Like we're already kind of on our healing journey with our grief and it's like never ending because 
we still don't, don't know. know. We still don't know what happened, what caused it. We still don't know if she's been cremated or not. It's like this door that's left open that I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. And then now that I'm interacting with other moms and stuff, and I'm seeing that they had a funeral, they have their kids' ashes, it's like Mm -hmm. a lot of regret. I'm like, I wish I would have X, Y, Z. I wish I would have done this differently. But it's like in that moment, I had like this much time. I had mm-hmm. little amount of time to make these best decisions about X, Y, and Z. I didn't even know at this moment. Like I didn't understand. I wasn't even fully there still. I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah. I wasn't fully there. All I could think about was being back home so this nightmare can, can, can end. At least I thought that would be the case. And so two weeks after, I my blood pressure had, striked, had went up again. And I had to go back to the hospital that's close to our house. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wouldn't allow Quest to come in because I wasn't pregnant anymore. Mm-hmm. And they had with the COVID regulations, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he can't come in and X, Y, and Z. And I was so scared, Monique. I was like, ah. and then like, I was so scared. My phone wasn't working and I was trying to call him and he his phone wasn't working. And our house was like five minutes away. But it was like that five minutes of him driving back home was like, so nerve-wracking and I told them that I just had been having headaches and that I just wasn't I didn't get a lot of sleep and when I get a lot when I don't get a lot of sleep I just noticed that my blood pressure can can raise okay. especially if I'm not drinking water especially if I'm not if I'm eating salty foods and it was just that kind of night mm-hmm. and they were trying to put me back on magnesium I was about to go for it I was just scared I, I just fell under Okay, I just called babe, like, they put me back on magnesium, so that means when you're on magnesium, you have to be admitted for two days. So I'm like, oh, this again, like, this is my life, like, OMG, like, and Quest was in my ear, like, no, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. Tell them you don't want it, and I'm like, but they're saying I need it, da-da-da, they're saying I need it. He's like, no, tell them you don't need that. Okay, like, I'm, gonna, I'm glad he did that because I stood up for myself, and that was, like, the first time I actually did because they were not taking no for an answer. The nurses and doctors came in like, why don't you want it? They kept questioning me like, well, you can have a seizure. And I'm like, I think I'm fine. I just think I just didn't get no sleep. Like, I'm just, I don't have, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I'm about to die, you know? Mm-hmm. Like my blood pressure will go down. Y'all are just scaring me, honestly. Like y'all mm-hmm. keep popping in and talking mm-hmm. about magnesium. Like these white coats is like messing up my anxiety. That's mm-hmm. all it is. I'm like, if y'all just leave me alone, so they was like, okay, we're going to keep you. I'm like, okay, just let me just be like, don't come in. I just rested. We just stayed on the phone all night and I just kept a blanket over my head. They put me in a triage, Monique, mm. a triage, not even in my own room. And I was back in a place where everything happened. Your trauma. Yeah. I was back there alone this time. Oh my goodness. And I had to literally keep myself calm. But I remember hearing other parents, other families coming in saying that their baby was ready to be born and hearing their heartbeats and hearing dad laugh, hearing, just hearing the whole thing. I'm telling you, it just was like that night, all the babies wanted to be born. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just prayed for them. I just prayed. I'm like, 
I'm so happy that they had that moment. I'm so happy that they can have that, that happy moment where you're laughing and you're cheerful and you hear the kicks and you hear the heartbeats. I just was so grateful that they had that moment, like, because we didn't. You know, we didn't have that happy moment when you run into the hospital, that moment we all think of, like, okay, it's, it's that time, you know, they were calling their families and the families were happy and I'm just sitting here in the next room with my blood pressure high, no baby, no, no, my fiance couldn't even be there with me, um, just afraid and I'm like, what can I, I just, it just, it did make me smile, like, it made me smile hearing that and I just decided to pray that everything went smoothly their whole pregnancy, the whole labor, that they get to take their baby home, that they can raise their child, not only take their baby home, but raise their child. And those are my only prayers, but I was so, like that took a lot of strength because like I said, I was back in a place where it all happened without Quest this time. Then the same doctor, apparently this doctor requested me to come back up there. The same doctor who wasted our time who literally wasted our time knowing she wasn't going to do anything just to send us to John Hopkins in Baltimore came in and was like how's everything um I was calling I was trying to um call John Hopkins to see if everything went well and this was her response I heard everything went well like no bleeding out oh I heard as soon as you got there you you, you dilated xyz and I'm like yeah <laughs> everything went well like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Why are you in my face? Like, yeah, like I wasn't rude like that, but it was yeah, those are my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I'm like, what was her point? Like, it's like almost if she wanted to traumatize me. I don't know. Why mm -hmm. did she, why did I have to be back there? Like I just and she was really trying to keep me and she was really trying to put me back on magnesium. She was like, Oh, you I think you should get on it. Um, because if you have a seizure, X, Y, Z, and blah, 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 I'm like my blood pressure was going down each hour. Oh, it was going down. I'm telling you, Monique, like when they weren't in a room, I could breathe. I would like do some deep breathing and just relax and turn all the lights out. Well, because I was in a triage, I couldn't turn the lights out. Mm -hmm. And I had to like put the covers over my face and just close my eyes and just pray that I was going to come. I was coming home. I'm like, all I could think about was being back with Quest. I'm like, all I could think about was coming back home with Quest. I was like, I, I know I'm coming home. I'm not, I don't, everything's going to be fine. I just have to just keep a positive outlook. So uh, that was really scary because it was like replaying that moment all over again. But I was like, how, I didn't know what the outcome would be this time. I'm like, my blood pressure is back high. I thought this would be my life. <laughs> But gratefully, it's not. And did you feel triggered by her being back at that particular hospital? Yes, I stayed up all night. <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen. I made sure we stayed on the phone just so I could just comfort her and help her blood pressure get down. Yeah. So what have you guys been doing since the birth of your daughter and losing her? What have you guys been doing to heal? Um, have you guys sought therapy or going to get therapy together or have you just been kind of like dealing with it on your own? We've been kind of dealing with it on our own. Like we've talked about therapy. We still talk about therapy. My fiance is in um, support groups. So she gets a lot of uh, support through the support group. She vents to them. 
Um, they vent to her. You know, I love that. I wish us males had that, but it's all good. That's why we I make that. music. I make music. I don't, I don't, it's okay. But um, yeah, I um we 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 pretty much have made it like a priority of ours to always communicate what we're feeling, when we're feeling it, being very transparent, um, making sure we're eating the right things, not eating too, too many bad things, like too, too much takeout because your food does affect your mood that round. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and we also made it another priority to make it our mission to just do things we know we enjoy because you know when you're going through a lot of hardships and going through a lot of uh going through a situation like ours you don't want to get too caught up in like this this world they built you know what i'm saying like you want to like create a world for yourself and and keep yourself uplifted no matter what's going on around you you know yeah i definitely get it because i feel like with the state of the nation right now with the political issues that we're having with police killing us and the uproar that was going on around the time of you guys' stillbirth, mm-hmm. um, it definitely can, all of those things can be triggering because mm-hmm. as, as we've continued to say over and over and over again through the episode is that there, there you didn't feel safe, you know, mm-hmm. trying to find safe spaces in the midst yeah. of chaos, really. I feel yeah. like that's what you guys were really just trying to say is just trying to find safe space within the chaos around you and staying grounded in your spiritual practices and beliefs. And food is one of them. You know, a lot of people don't think that, but food is one a of them. Part. I mean, I like pizza too. You feel what I'm saying? I like pizza. You know, and I like ice cream. Yeah. My body doesn't tolerate dairy that well, but you know, we do, no, it's not either. You know, we do everything in moderation, what we can do, you know, we cut back where we can. And I, I think that's so incredible, especially with you guys being so young. And so if there's anyone else listening or that will listen in the future, who may be in their 20-somethings like you guys or just anyone in general who is who is suffering from loss like you guys, if you were standing with them as a friend, what would you say to encourage them um, that you have found to be useful for yourself? Um, for me, I feel like if for, for people in our age range and younger or older, this is for everyone, people just have to remember that no matter what happens, no matter what happens that God, you know, is in control of everything happening. We might not have the answers that we're seeking, but it doesn't mean that you're not in the right hands and that everything that is happening to you has a purpose and is happening for your good. That's what I can say. Like, even though it may look twisted, even though it may look, it's, it's going to look however it looks to us because we don't mm-hmm. understand. So people just have to just keep in mind that no matter what comes your way, you just have to remember that, you know, you didn't you didn't get presented with any problem without a solution, you know, and you might not have the answer, but God always does. So that's what's just been helping me get through. And it's so cliche because a lot of people say, God got you, God got I'm praying for, but it's real. Like, it's really, you have to hold on to it for your life because that's what's going to keep you alive and keep you moving no matter what happens. So, And being open to receiving the love of God, right? And the love of the creator and the universe and Mother Earth and all those good things, right? So for for, for Brittany, what would you say to another young woman in your position? 
I also agree with Quest is saying like that's something that I've I've always had faith, but after our stillbirth, the faith came in any situation. I feel like I can get through any situation. If you can get through stillbirth, if you can get through giving your baby up, you can get through anything, like anything, like anything. All you have to do is trust in God and know that no matter how it looks, that everything is going to work out like I don't know some I just feel like we need to practice our faith more I will also tell someone to just be more present I feel like a lot of the times that we're trying to figure out our future or figure out something that happened in the past and just trying to use our mind too much I feel like we need to be present and just rest in the present thing like only focus on this thing only focus on things that you you can't control. Like, I feel like we need a lot of things of, you know, when, when it happened, we wanted to know the answers of why, what happened. We still want those answers, still but happen. maybe it's only for God to know. Maybe it's only for God to figure out. Maybe it's only, you get what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like we should trust that more. Trust that he got us. Like, everything's going to work out. You have No to. matter how much. <laughs> and our life is still. Yeah going the way it's supposed to be going but i'm starting to learn maybe we just supposed to accept the uncertainty in our life maybe we're supposed to accept the uncomfortability the changes you know change growth doesn't happen in comfortable situations is what i'm trying to say yeah, growth nice. happens is when you're in the most com- uncomfortable situation when you're at your darkest times and you just have no you have no you have no other choice but to call on god yeah yeah or fall back get knocked down and stay down mm-hmm. yeah for sure I f- and I feel like you guys are also saying that um I'm also hearing that uh, you know that it's not your fault yeah yes, yes. To yes. It's, it's not karma it's not because of the girl or the boy you used to date a long time ago mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's not because somebody has ill will towards you you know it's not yeah. your fault things happen and yeah. that's it and then we just have to heal from it so you guys are so freaking awesome for coming you on. So You're and awesome. Being so brave yes. to share your journey. This is hard. Yeah. Hard. So I commend you guys. And it gets easier though. It gets huh? it, it, it gets it easier when you when you hold on to that faith. It, it gets way easier. It's not. It doesn't. When it happens, it's like ah, uh, there's there. This is it. You know what I'm saying? But when yeah. you keep taking little steps every day just doing that just doing that one thing you enjoy every day just thinking of that one Mm -hmm. thing that makes you smile every day you eventually get like on you know what i'm saying yeah spiritual beautiful yeah that's beautiful i love it and um i appreciate you guys so much anything you guys need i can help you with um hit me my dms you know my dms is open (laughs) so um i appreciate you guys and give us your social media handles too so we can connect with you there as well Okay, so my Instagram is Mommy Sage. And mine is Official Quest. (laughs) (laughs) So talented. And I'm going to make sure I have you guys' social media handles in the show notes for today for our friends that's listening. And so they can connect with you and join you in your advocacy efforts for loss and stillbirth. And thank you, friends, for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. You heard it here first that we are healing together. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings.